0: Hi, welcome back to Life's Lemonade Unfiltered. We are your hosts, Kiara and Yesenia. And in this space, we're getting unfiltered about life, womanhood, parenthood, and all the other shit in between. So please stay tuned and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at life'slemonade.unfiltered. Enjoy. Welcome back to Life's Lemonade Unfiltered. This is Yesenia. And Kiara. And we are here again this week. And we wanted to say thank you guys so much for listening to Dr. Bacher's episode. We yeah. hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. We learned so, so much. <laughs> much. And I actually have a copy of his book now. Oh, so, awesome. Um, we can get started yeah, reading that. I really want to read it. We should do a book club, just you and I. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! And so um if you didn't listen to it go back and listen to um psychology talk with Dr. Bakker. Yeah, it was it was there's just so many top, like topics oh, that he
1: covered. It was we amazing. went all over
0: the place yeah. but in a in a in a, in a And Actually, the most Kiara and Yesenia way. Yeah, I was going to say, if you listen to the podcast, you know. (laughs) You already know. But uh, this week, we have Marissa Baker, and she is a divorce coach. Divorce coach, yeah, slash, oh my God, (laughs) divorce
1: coach slash life coach. Life coach, yeah.
0: And we had an amazing conversation. Yeah, I found her on TikTok. She's so easy to talk with. Randomly, I found her on TikTok, and I was like, oh, my gosh, she's so fun. I'm not on TikTok, and I feel like I just cannot handle one more thing. I don't know. I'm really
1: not on there much, but, like, the things that pop up are just random when you do get on. So
0: she just randomly popped up, and I was like, huh, I wonder if she'd come on the podcast. Like Dr. Bacher said, there are no coincidences. (laughs) So... Yeah, we had a really insightful conversation and I think you guys will really benefit from hearing her her story. Even if you're in a very happy marriage or you never want to get married and you're single.
1: Like I don't There's don't nuggets
0: let, of of um, information and wisdom the, everywhere. Don't
1: let the divorce part steer you away because she really talked about just living your best life mm-hmm. and how you can do that. Absolutely. So, it was so, great
0: yeah stay tuned listen in and let us know what you thought (laughs) hi welcome to life's lemonade yeah (laughs) excited i'm yesenia nice to meet you nice
1: to meet you i'm kiara thanks for coming on oh my gosh okay so when i first saw your tiktok i think it was on tiktok i saw you you were wearing the call her daddy unwell tie-dye sweater i have it too let's
2: go and I was like okay I could get I like I like this I like it's already starting good exactly exactly and then I usually wear a hat that says uh on it it's either says up or petty that so got the uh or petty hat and then the unwell and people are like are you okay I'm like no it's a great combination <laughs> exactly it's fine everything's fine that
0: says like fuck off all
2: over it, <laughs> <laughs> or just like, look around and find out like okay so why don't you start by telling us just a little bit about yourself yeah oh my gosh um there are so many things but I think the obvious thing that usually captures attention people's attention is that I've been married and divorced twice before 30 um and that makes people really really angry it especially makes people really angry when I when they ask me why I got divorced. And I'm like, because I wanted to, And I think that's a full sentence. And I think I don't owe anyone anything. So I originally started sharing my divorce story back in 2021, when I had first left my second ex-husband. And I just got a lot of flack for it. Like his family was totally hating me. And then all of a sudden the UK, the Daily Mail were like, you know what, we're going to write an article about everybody that hates her. And Yeah, like it was like in all the comments, like I read through the article, the article was titled, life coach because i'm a life coach branded a joke after revealing she's been married and divorced twice before 30 and oh my god it was horrible and all of the comments were like that's the best joke i've heard all day she's damaged she's defective she's a red flag and um now here we are today where i'm the fuck around and find out person because when you've been bullied internationally you're like i don't fucking care anymore it's fine that's, that's yeah, true. Yeah. Like, there's nowhere to go but I, right? right? Like, <laughs> I was in a fetal position on my floor crying, and now I'm like, who can hurt me? Literally nobody. Right. <laughs> oh, that's wow. Amazing. That's That's a lot. Yeah, and, okay.
0: I don't, yeah, where do we but start? where? Okay, my first question is um, – what was your upbringing? or your parents married? Are they still married? Divorced?
2: Like, what was your structure that you knew? Yeah, so my parents are married. Um, I wouldn't say they were the example of the most in love parents, but they are still together, mm-hmm. um, for whatever that's mm-hmm. that's worth. Um, as far as my <laughs> upbringing goes, I. I'm not dissimilar from most of the people in our generation. I think a lot of the Gen X generation um, never learned how to properly process their feelings, um, leaving Mm -hmm. them very emotionally unavailable. And so then they raised some pretty emotionally unavailable kids. And um, I think a lot of the millennials and the Gen Zers are actually like dealing with it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. We sure are. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I have to stop the trauma because nobody else will. <laughs> and to be to be heckling. fair, um, both of my parents and all the other parents were just doing their best to survive. They didn't know what they didn't know, and mm-hmm. and that's okay. But um, So outside of that, so they didn't properly process. So my mom um, was an emotional overeater, still is at times, so am I. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad is adi- was addicted to painkillers, um, struggles to take care of himself, mm-hmm. type 2 diabetic. He's recently got both his legs amputated. So just you can just see a lot of just – not in touch with themselves, not in touch with their feelings. Um, and then aside from that, I had been, um, molested as a younger kid. I was in like third grade. It was by an older Mm -hmm. kid. So like a lot of people will look at that and be like, Oh, well, it was just two kids. But like when you're seven, you don't know the difference. It it affects you the same way. So, um, yeah, yeah, my therapist says that has a lot to do with, um, all of the things and probably, especially my divorces and and my attachment. So that's, That's, like, the really condensed version of, like, here's my trauma and how it led to me being divorced twice before 30.
1: Yeah, and hearing kind of how your parents raised you or that kind of thing, I'm sure you probably didn't get the help that you needed in that moment. So
2: that was, like, it just snowball affected, I'm assuming. Yeah, and, you know, like, they were were really great. Like, I, I... so, um, the place we find ourselves, it's a podcast, it's a faith-based podcast, mm-hmm. but there's an episode that talks about trauma and how one person ends up with trauma versus why someone else may not, even though they could be the same age, same, same gender and go through the exact same thing. And, um, this really opened my eyes because he told a story of two girls, um, Both seven young girls, they were walking home, both got molested or sexually assaulted by an older person. It's all hypothetical. Um, One girl immediately ran home and told her parents they nurtured Mm -hmm. her. She got the, the nurturing that she needed. She doesn't have trauma. The other girl for whatever reason, didn't feel like she could go home and tell her parents. So she kept it a secret. And she had to learn to process that on her own, which when you're seven, you don't have the tools to do that. And the, the most impactful thing about that story was when you're young, you have an intuition that tells you whether or not your parents are emotionally available enough to handle what it is you might tell them. And so... That's the difference is I had an intuition, same thing happened where I didn't feel necessarily at seven that I could go to my parents and tell them because I had to be the strong little kid. They couldn't deal with that. And so I was left to process all that stuff on my own. So once I told them, like, I think like a year later, or whenever it was, immediately got me into counseling. So great. But it's, it's, that's like the difference. It's so gray of like, are your parents emotionally available enough? And can your intuition sense that they can handle what it is you need to bring to them if that makes sense yeah that's such a
0: fine line too because like and especially for it to be at the age of seven that's such a formative year where it's like you're under you're not so little that you're so innocent you're aware of a little bit more but you're not in emotionally capable of processing all that yeah and I think too
1: like between the two of us as parents (laughs) we're constantly trying to figure out how we can like keep that door open for our kids because it's such a like it's so hard to like just find that balance of just like not exposing being them too, too much and like being so like let's sit down and like have five serious conversations every single day so you mm-hmm. understand but like not not saying anything so that they know that you can yeah that that's wow that's crazy that's a lot to like that's a lot of story before sorry I'm
0: like I need to give you all the back. this is exactly this is what, what we, we like to do we, like <laughs> I, I was listening to your podcast and you're like, I hate small talk. And the, like, <laughs> I heard <it's>, that too. <laughs> I'm the same way. So it's like the way we started our friendship was like, we got right into a deeply traumatic experience yeah her. And, and I asked her if she had healed. That was the first thing out of my mouth. I was like, Have you healed from that? And it was like, Oh my gosh, like the thank you for not making me do the small talk. And let's just get yes. right into it because really the trauma is where we meet each other. Right?
1: Oh, I think like the first time we had a conversation, we like cried together like we were both like forming a friendship where you never get to that level just seems like a waste of time
2: my um my roommate and my best friend and we also call each other like platonic life partners she literally was getting divorced from her husband and we had been acquaintances she walks up to me and she goes it was my birthday by the way it's new year's day and they had come together as a couple to my birthday party and she goes hi my husband just asked for a divorce. I'm gonna need support during this. I need you to be my friend. I choose you, and then we've just been best friends ever since. I was. Oh. What do you need? <laughs> let's go. Right. What do you need? I got yeah. you, girl. Yeah. So I totally agree. It's the best way to start. I love, I love that. that. Oh my god.
0: But that's that's the backstory of what makes you who you are today, like you said. And so,
2: how old were you the first time you got married? Okay. So let's see. I got married. Um, I feel like kind of right out of college. So I was like 22, about to turn 23. Um, and he was my, Mm -hmm. I guess, college sweetheart. I don't really know how to, how to put it. Um, ignored all the red flags. I totally did not want to, um, get married to him. And I did anyway. And let's see, we got married 12, 13, 14, never forget that. And then that marriage lasted a couple of years. That marriage lasted one year. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, um, I want to say it was on my birthday. So January 1st, that following year. So it was like a year and like some odd two weeks. Um, I just like knew I'm like, I can't go another year like this. Like it was, we were about to resign a lease and I was like, "Mm," you know, and he had like freaked out about something on my birthday and basically was like, I don't even remember. And I was like, let's just be separated for a little bit. And he like threw a tantrum and said, come get your stuff the next Saturday. And I, and in my head, I've been on this roller coaster for five years already. I was like, don't fucking play with me. So I went and got my shit that Saturday and I was out. Like if, if you give me a separation, it's going to be more than a separation. Right? You tell me to come get my shit and you leave your ring on the counter. I'm getting my shit and I'm, I'm out. Right. And I'm taking my ring with me so I can pawn that shit. I did. I did. <laughs> I
0: I love it so so like you talked about the red flags and I I can resonate with that because I was married at uh let's see 20 and uh it lasted a year and 11 months before I left him and my mom it's funny I mean our whole relationship was just tumultuous but Um, when, when I told my mom, we were going to get married, we already had a three month old. So it was like, why the heck not? You know, we, we were kind of being pressured by his parents, Catholic and, you know, do right, do, so do the right thing. So we got married and, um, my mom says, why are you going to get married? You're just going to get divorced in two years. And I was like, mom, I'm not going to get divorced in two years, a year and 11 months. I left him. And oh. it was like, shit, she was right. <laughs> but when you left him. But when I left him, she told me, uh, you need to give him another chance. It was the reason I I left him, right, was something that was so resonant in her life that she wasn't able to walk away from. So it was like, it's like she she put the bad juju out there for, I mean, it it was already yeah. there. But yeah. she she vocalized it, right? And so when it happened, it was like, see, I told you it wasn't going to mm. work. But um I mean, thinking about getting divorced at 21 years old is like, what, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it's horrifying and,
2: and with a child involved. So do you think that it made it easier for you to do this without a child? Um, 1000%. Um, I do think, um, no matter who it is, that's going through a divorce, there's always going to be a reason. So whether it's a kid or whether it is a financial challenge or whether it's just the fear of what am I going to have to feel if I do this? Um, I do think kids present a bigger challenge just because, you know, you have to not only navigate yourself, you have to navigate their feelings and, and all of that. Um, I, I only had to deal with like dogs, you know, <laughs> and, and, um, which is, you- Oh, hard enough right. I'm like listen <laughs> this one's mine you can take the other one but like the girl my princess um yeah I, I definitely think it was easier but I think at the end of the day when you know what you want and when you're confident in your decision um, you you figure out how to navigate those challenges regardless absolutely and then how long were you single before you met your next husband so I was not single at all I talk about this all the time I I started dating guys when I was in eighth grade. And I had not been single until this past year since eighth grade. Um, so me and my ex-husband, you know, we were separated. I was about to finalize the the divorce. That's when I met my next ex-husband who I had known in high school. And he had also just gone through a divorce. And so we were like, Hey, we're both going through a divorce. Like let's hang out. And like, I don't know. I, knew, I had a crush on him in high school. He was incredibly attractive. He's still attractive. And like, I was like, sure, let's do it. I've never been alone. I don't know how to do that. Like I'll date you. I right. wasn't thinking that at the time, but it was the next best uh, thing it was. And so we immediately started dating. Neither of us took the time to heal from either of our past relationships. And we just like mm-hmm. just bled all over each other. Like he was repeating the same exact patterns. I was repeating the same exact patterns. And I'm like, oh man, what have I done? So with the
0: second one, so how far into it did you realize this isn't going to (sighs) work? That's really hard. Um, like how long were you in
2: denial? I
0: think that's the biggest
2: thing, right? Like
0: you already, you already knew then going into it. I try to
2: be so careful because I don't want to be hurtful to him, but hindsight, I did not know any of this at the time. So that's, that's true. Mm -hmm. So, This is now you
0: being in therapy, being able to understand your own patterns and his patterns.
2: Hindsight, um, I think that I knew ahead of time before I married him that I didn't want to be in it. Um, I am a people pleaser. I I get scared to change my mind. I think I'm doing the right thing. Um, What I will say is we got – the second was was a very weird dynamic because – we got engaged in April, um, and then we got married by like the end of July in 2019. And in between that, I my, my best friend's parents had died in a freak plane accident. Um, two weeks after that, this was in June, uh, my other best friend came down to visit to go to the funeral. Our dogs were all out together. There was an accident with our dogs fighting. Her dog ended up passing away. Um, my dad had gotten fired from his job. My grandpa had been hospitalized for two weeks. My brother was in treatment for certain things and my uncle had overdosed. So like you name this. Yeah, this all this trauma occurred within three weeks. And here I was had to get married in a month. And um, I, I honestly think I was using the marriage as a distraction. Like if I can just plan this wedding, I'll be okay, And. It gave you something yeah, to do. And I literally like at that time, I was struggling so bad. Like I was not cleaning. I was not I didn't want to get out of bed. I was binge eating everything and I was drinking as much and as often as I could. Um, so like I was just trying to survive and I don't think I had the bandwidth to end a relationship. And so I went forward with it because I didn't have any, I didn't have anything left in me to like I couldn't. At the time,
1: yeah, that makes sense, and I'm sure too. Once you got into the marriage, knowing someone for such a short time, and him still healing from his traumas, it was like the capability for him to nurture everything that you were going through probably wasn't there as
2: much as it would have been in a yeah, and that was a really big part of it actually. I mean, two weeks before the wedding, I'll never forget this because he was telling me, you don't help me. You don't do this. We had already, we were, we had owned a home together. We were living together from like a year prior already. And, um, I was like, you know, I'm really struggling. I'm like, I don't even want to get out of bed. And we were like in the car going to Starbucks. We're going to have some meeting with this couple. And he looks at me and he goes, what do you have to be sad about? We're getting married in two weeks. And it was just oh. so crushing because I thought this person that I love, I'm telling them how badly I'm hurting. And I was just met with like zero compassion and zero empathy. And it, it was just,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, yeah, he didn't have, this is not a reflection on him. He's not he a bad him. dude, but he did not have the capacity to um, support me in the way that I needed. Nor did I. I didn't know how to support myself.
0: I mean, and, and even with all the warning signs too, like how does he not pick up on oh, – if you're not getting up, if you're not eating or you're overeating, getting out of your regular things. I I mean, I just think about like my husband, he was the first one to say, I don't think you're doing as well as you think you're doing after having this baby. And, you know, and it was like, um, just when someone can just look and see what's happening and acknowledge it, then it feels better, but he completely just.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, everyone sees things through their their own perspective of their own mind and i um right, rightfully so he was looking at a partner who was not being helpful to him at all and and uh i think he really viewed me as this like childlike lazy person not as this depressed mm-hmm. wife
0: right yeah
1: and so how long did that marriage last
2: um 2 years whoop whoop we broke the record <laughs> <laughs> Wow, 2 years. Yeah, yeah. So did you initiate that divorce? I did. Um yeah, and I was very much the villain of it. I you know, when we were in therapy, um I I was the person who's quick to run and he was the person who was quick to hold on even if there was nothing there to hold on to. And like, you know, so he would stay for 10 years with both of us being miserable and I was like I needed to go yesterday. And um I this is solely just my opinion and observation. I felt like he didn't like being in the marriage and that he was not happy at all. And I felt like I did him a favor. Like it's cool. If I have to be the villain and I have to end it and be the bad guy so that you also can have a life that you deserve. I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah. Right. I think I heard you talk about this. I listened to your latest podcast episode where you guys were talking about food. Um, and she was, you guys were talking about how, like, it's just so it's almost easier for men to kind of numb things out and keep moving mm-hmm. forward with the way things are. And for women, it's like, what is this feeling? I need to like, stop it and change yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I can imagine, yeah, it's hard to be the person that's like, we both need to walk away, but I'm the only one that's going to admit it. So then that makes me the person in the shoes of like, I'm the villain, uh-huh. I'm going to do all the
0: things, but it's like, it's just like, cause you can't admit it. And then, like you said, at what point you're already being villainized, so you might as well do what you have to do for yourself, right? Like, at the end of the day, you, you came into this world alone and you go out alone. And I, I hate to even say that because it comes off wrong, but you need to make sure you are okay. And if you aren't okay in your own skin, in your own mind, in your own body – you need, you've got some work to do and fuck whoever says anything a bit against it you know like i think we're coming into the age of the woman where we're really getting loud about our needs and our desires and we're not okay with just doing the status quo in this media like um I, I saw I screenshotted actually one of your um Instagram posts that just really jumped out at me and it was a I did not crawl through the shards of my own brokenness to live a mediocre oh, life. Stop. I love it. That one is like it it just it just like screamed at me, even though there's no exclamation points in no. here. But that's what it is is like where in our minds, do we settle for anything less than magic? And it, I don't mean like our lives need to be this grand,
2: luxurious, whatever, but whatever feels magic to you go fucking get uh, it. it's so good like I was having this conversation with um one of my recent podcast people it hasn't aired yet but we were just talking about like our ancestors like the women ancestors did not have the freedom that we have to leave something that is unfulfilling and not good and I I think about that quite often because some some guys i think still don't understand it and some women too i think the world um they're like well if he's not hitting you and he's not cheating on you and and, what's wrong and i'm like oh the bare fucking minimum like thank you right (laughs) and like at the end of the day like I, i posted a glow up video on tiktok today of me 2020 me versus me right now and i'm like wow If this is the version of me that I get, I would go through that shame and that sadness and that guilt 10 times over because I deserved this version of me to be able to exist and not that half version of me. We
1: talk about this, too, and I feel like we talked about it on a recent podcast is like. The people who choose to take the easy road and not grow, they're li- they don't get anything mm. out of life. And it's like the people who step into the hard moments are like, okay, this is going to be hard, but I just got to walk yeah. through it. That's when you learn li- how amazing life can be is when you go through the hard to reach the other and, end. You
2: know, like Yeah. So I went to life coach school and, and the, one of the things they taught me was that the worst thing that can ever happen to you is a feeling. Um, we're all scared. The shame and the guilt and the humiliation, whatever it is. And so somebody else was getting coached one time, and I was like listening to them. And he was like, I'm afraid to write my book because what if I get publicly shamed after or something like that? Um, And it was just this whole thing. But at the end of it, the realization was, What if you were willing to feel humiliated? What if you were willing to feel shame? What would you do? And that thought alone has been what has allowed me to to grow to start my business to whatever because not only am i willing to feel shame i was publicly shamed by the, by the daily mail and other people on social media i and i had the tools to support myself through it and so like to me that that is life that is living is being able to say you know what i know this is going to suck and I'm going to embrace the suck and embrace the discomfort because that that's life and that's like the fullness of life like it's totally cool to feel but we think it's like death
0: right but where in society have we learned that I think probably from the time um, we were little kids actually I was thinking about it because a couple of episodes ago we were talking she was asking this random question how many seconds is a proper amount of seconds to pee okay what (laughs) right okay I heard it <laughs>
1: okay yeah <laughs> okay before we tell you though what how long do you think a pee should be like a healthy pee like how many seconds what would you like, get does this include unbuckling the pants
2: or like,
0: <laughs> like literally just literally start stream. of
2: the street um I feel like probably like 15 to 17 seconds wow it's 21 you were a lot closer than what I was what
0: did you say I said six minimum <laughs> Which, but which, okay, so this, this brings me to my point, is that I was listening to a dad in the bathroom with his child. He's like, hurry up, hurry up, let's go. And you're always being yeah. rushed, even to do the simplest things. Yeah, Like, you are not just allowed to sit. And so, like, ne- since we had that conversation, I have tried to not rush my kids in the uh-huh. bathroom, because... You know what we're
2: nobody's taking Miami a twenty-one second pee because there's no time for that.
0: <laughs>
1: there's not time to take a well, twenty-second pee. Like, yeah, so we're
2: praised um, to not feel right. It's like when you're when you're a baby and the baby falls, what does everybody do? <gasps> oh, you're okay. Get up. Good job. Yeah. Like, so mm-hmm. we're literally wired yeah. since we're literally babies who can't even walk to to pretend everything is fine when it's not. And like, yeah, right.
1: and I feel like even too if you're not if you like if you're not as a parent trying really hard to not do that society is still Mm. like having that effect like even with my son a few weeks ago we watched a sad movie and at the end of it I asked him what he thought and he was like it's really it was really sad and I was like yeah it was and I was crying it was a sad movie and he said I was crying in my head and I said you can cry Mm. it's okay and he just started he's like oh and he just started crying but it was like he was trying so hard to hold it in and I'm like I'm confused on where I went wrong here because we've always allowed him. I've never been the mom to be like, you're a boy, you're tough, like, you're fine, suck it up. I'm always like, it's okay to have emotion. But I think, especially now that he's in first and grade school. and he's uh, surrounded by these other children, that that expectation gets put on them. And it's like so it just makes you feel like you got to work a little bit harder to make sure that your children know it's okay mm-hmm. to express emotion because they're not just getting that expectation from you they're getting it from society yeah. and we're
2: bombarded by messages of false pleasure right like if you drink you know if you're going to be socially nervous just have an alcohol right like we, we tell nervous, about feel this, nervous yeah. right have a beer, or it's like, what's your favorite comfort food? Like, what's going to make you feel better? If you're anxious, just eat the mac Mm. and cheese. And so cigarette, everything out there that exists are literally just messages of culture being like, no, no, here's everything you need to feel better. Except just feeling the feelings and working that out. Exactly. It's wild. Wild. Yeah.
0: I've had to learn this too now in therapy because I've been in therapy consistently for maybe six months now. Let's go. And yeah, and it's been like so eye opening because so many little like little things that I do I don't realize, I don't know how to make certain choices for myself. I just go with what I know. And so I mean, let's talk on the small level. Like, what milk am I choosing today? (laughs) You know, um, I never look at other options because I just go to what I know. And so therapy has just taken me back to these old childhood wounds. Like you were saying, you know, witnessing your dad with his diabet- diabetes and not taking care of himself and your mom. And so like, these are things that were just messages that we're taking in, you know, and that does translate into how we do relationships and how we do, um, you know, picking our partners and then how we treat ourselves now after, like after your second divorce, what was your first step? Like, what was your awareness, first of all? And then what did you think that you had to do to like to be able to
2: get? Yeah. um, So I always tell this story when it comes to my divorce, Um, about see January of 2021. I believe it was January. Yeah, I had gotten COVID. And I thought, well, if I can't taste food, I can't be tempted by it. Right. And so this all connected. I'm like, whatever so I, so for a week i two weeks i eat paleo and i lose like 10 to 12 pounds but i f- i'm feeling more i'm like why am i feeling more cuz i'm not eating mm-hmm. my feelings from food with food so as soon as i got my taste back i ate a whole pot of mac and cheese and i thought weird i feel better and so i'm 29 at this time i'm like this is the first time in my entire life that I have an awareness around the fact that I'm eating my feelings. And so, wow. Anyway, long story short, it all started with that moment of being like, okay, how do I feel my feelings instead of eat them? And really, this practice of bringing awareness to myself and what do I actually want? What's gonna satisfy me? Blah, blah, blah. So, fast mm-hmm. forward a couple months, I'm like, I'm like in March now. And I did like a what's called like a hermit mode the entire month of March in 2021. We know hermit mode very well. <laughs> We're just coming out of it for the winter. Yes. I'm like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want. And I don't know what my voice sounds like. I have, I have no idea. And so I really like took a break from all social media. I um really kind of took time to just be with myself and what I wanted and feel my feelings. And I think that time was really when I realized I'm not supposed to be here. And I don't yeah. know how to end it. I don't know what this looks like. But um, it's definitely going to end. So I think we ended up, you know, being in different bedrooms, like the whole month of April. And,
0: and that sucks, because this was during the COVID everything, yeah. right? Yeah. So And I remember hearing about a lot of divorces happening during that time and it makes sense this is the time people spent the most time together that normally you would have all these other distractions and places to go and things to do and now you had nothing except what was in your home space and you're like fuck <laughs>
2: like <laughs> this is it yeah and I realized how much I liked being by myself during that time but like how much more peace I had so we were going through therapy we we're doing all the things I and then, um, really when it, I knew I had to end it and I didn't know how, and the question I get from people on TikTok all the time is how did you do it? How did you, you know, get the, the bravery or I just don't think I can do it. And it's like, I never felt brave. I never felt like I'm ready. Like I literally, sh- part of my language, like shit myself on the toilet and vomited multiple times, 10 minutes before he got home. And I was like, I'm done. I, you know, but it was like, the hardest thing in the world I ever had to do, but like immediate relief. It was like my gut issues were gone. And I was just like, oh, so like, I don't really know how I did it. I just decided to be terrified and do it anyway.
0: Well, it's like one little step at a time. It's the next step. It's the next step. I mean, when we see what anybody has accomplished in life, all we're looking at is the final picture. And we're not looking at all the strokes it took to get there. You know what I mean? It's like every everything in life is one decision at a time.
1: Yeah, we both have said the last last year was like our biggest transformational years. And when you we look back, it's like, but what there wasn't like a huge turning point. It was so much little things throughout the entire year. But look, in hindsight, it's like that was a huge year. But it was because of tiny little moments that we made to take the easy way or the hard way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So were you already a life coach before you got divorced the second time? No. Or did that? Was that a giant part yeah, of your journey? Yeah, it was part of
2: my journey. Um, you know, I'd spent a lot of time, I started this podcast, I want to say in like 2019. Um, so it's been about three years and it was always about positivity uh, or my podcast, I should say, Sun Happens, and, um, and personal development and... There was just something missing, right? And I'm like, I talk all the time about using my unique strengths, talents, and abilities to like live fully into my purpose. And yet, what are my strengths? I'm not doing Yeah. That. And um, so we sold the house and we split it 50-50 and I had this money. And I'm like, okay, I'm 30. I have this money. If I'm going to take a risk and spend all of this money, which was a lot of money on getting certified as a life coach, like now's the time. And- So I did it. And first of all, I would pay that money again, even if I never coached the work that I did on my mind and, and my feelings and all of that is like irreplaceable. Um, but yeah, so I want to say it was like six months after the divorce. It was in May. I got certified. So May, 2022. And, um, oh my God, I attribute all of my growth to what I learned, um, in life coaching, it's insanity. Like I think if everyone could could practice these things, I'm like, please, you have no idea how life changing it is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do people reach out to you um, primarily for divorce? Uh, like, what what is your um, your, your niche is coaching people through divorces. So what part of that do you help them? Just the mindset of like, you're going to get past this or like,
2: what is your specialty? Yeah, um, I always like to say I help women um, kind of focus on their glow up from the inside out so they can reach their goals and create a life that they didn't even know was possible. Um, because... I think every time people think about divorce, they think of this like sad, horrible, awful thing. And it is. And but it is. <laughs> there's this duality to life, right? And if you're gonna give airtime to all of the terrible things that is divorced, then then at least the positive things like deserve at least as much airtime. And um, so yeah, that's that's my goal. Is like, okay, cool, you went through a divorce. It really sucks. It does, but it's not the end. Like, in no way, shape, or form, like this is an opportunity to create a life for you in the way that you want. So like, to me, it's like self-love, it's self-knowledge, learning who you are, and then determining what your goals are and what you want from the most authentic place.
0: Right. It's like a dream board
1: uh, (laughs) 2.0. I feel like too, there's this trend and I've had a few... Not very close friends, but people like on social media that I've watched go through divorce, and then you see the after the divorce and the the and they go through their hoe phase, as people like to call it. But then I feel like majority of those people that I've witnessed in my life then jump back into a new relationship quickly, Mm -hmm. and they're right back where they started. I have a friend in particular, same thing, she's on her second marriage, or she just ended her second marriage. And here she is, again, in this phase of like, I and no shame to her, because like, you know, she's trying to find her confidence again, I get that. But like, she's, you know, it's like the boobs in the face on Instagram. And like, you know, and it's so when you're coaching people through that, is there a sense of like, We're we're finding your confidence, we're finding your voice, but do you feel like there are people who are trying to mask all those feelings with the just, like, look at me? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's that's a common theme in, in women. Who go through divorces just trying to get back out there so that they can, they don't feel like I'm
2: gonna be a divorced woman forever. I mean, it's so hard because the brains are so fascinating and so interesting as to why people do the things that they do. And um, Mm -hmm. like, I think that the most important thing is creating a space for them where they can come in and be um, totally just honest and bringing awareness to their mind. So it's like, if they came to me and they were like, Oh, I'm really anxious or something. I'd be like, oh, okay. Like when was the last time you felt anxious? And maybe they say, Oh, well it was, you know, right before I went out on Thursday night and, you know, had a couple of drinks and met a new dude. And then we'd kind of go, okay, well, let's go back to that exact moment. Like, what were you thinking? And, um, really, it's just all about showing them their mind, because maybe they are right, maybe they are going out for for validation or to feel better. And that's totally okay. It's just about showing them their brain and being like, Okay, so this is what you're doing. And this is the result that it's creating in your life. Is that do you believe that that's serving you? And do you like that result? And some of some people might be like, Yeah, totally. I want to I want to be in my hoe phase. I never got the opportunity to do this, whatever. So so, yeah, definitely. It's just about letting them know this is what's happening. This is the reality. And you get to choose if you want to keep it or not. If you do, cool. We leave it right where it is. And if you don't, that's where the work comes in of how do you create a new result and, and thoughts that better serve you.
0: Well, yeah, everything's a choice, right? Yeah, and it sure- always
2: boils down to
1: that. I think probably the people that come to you already have a little bit of awareness that they need guidance through that phase.
0: As yeah, well. you're not looking for a life coach if you're like completely, we talk about, are you just one of these people that just like is completely unaware that there's anything to like help you? There's therapists, like there's all kinds of helpful things out there. And some people are just so unaware of everything and really so unaware of themselves, which it's not a surprise that it, that it translates into everything else, but yeah. It's just, so most of your girls are, I'm assuming mostly women
2: come to you, yeah, I guess, right? Do do any men? Um, no, I, I mostly get like the occasional. Not for hate yeah, mail? <laughs> it's either hate mail or I get the occasional comment that's like, what about men? And it's like, bro, I'm here for you too. Like men are so interesting. um, And in the way that they respond to my content, because they usually say something about like, women are, you know, evil and they take all the money and the kids and they do this. And I'm like, did this happen to you? Because usually projecting and they're like, yeah, I'm so sorry I came off that way. I'm like, it's okay. I mean, I didn't take all the money or anything, but like, I'm so sorry sure you went through that. Um, I actually saw one of your threads of a comment
0: of a uh, from a male and it was like, why he, he was basically saying divorce benefits women more than men. And he was saying how women like he was paying 70% of something. And he was paying this much in alimony. And he was only 32 years old. And you were like, I'm sorry, that was your experience. I'm open to talking about it. And it's like, I'm sure even that just set him off. And he's, I don't know if he responded to you. But it's interesting how, yeah, I mean, men look at that. Just the statistics and say, oh, women get off better in divorce, but do we really? Like, the reality is, like, when I got divorced, my daughter was with me 100% of the time. I was 21. I had her at 19. I really didn't know what I was doing either, but somehow I took on the responsibility of the, you know, primarily having her with me. And he just got to wait till he was ready, you know, like it. And so, I don't think that the women get off easier. easier. I, I mean, why do we equate money to easy? Well, that's the thing too, is like most of the things that we do, especially once
1: becoming mothers, but even before that, the cooking, the cleaning. It's, it's not value. Just, yeah, there's no, it's like, oh, you just like do those things for free, but like I'm getting paid for what I do. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, that's not my fault that no one pays me to clean and cook you dinner, but like, I'm not going to keep doing it because- <clears throat> you know, it makes your life easy. And
2: then yeah. I'm just here suffering. I think it's so interesting too how, how like people like to play that game of like, who has it worse. It's like, bro, divorce just sucks on both sides. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, there's, I'm sure on both sides there's, there are valid points and it's like, yeah, of course, like women, a lot of times do get alimony and they sometimes get the courts that side with them for the kids, and. Whatever. But we also get publicly shamed more. How many dudes with five divorces are you seeing getting shamed about it? (laughs) None. None. Cool. Like, yeah, like maybe I get a little bit more, but like the whole world fucking hates me. So like, I don't know, like you win some, you lose some. And I just don't think it's a competition. And that's why I I harp so much on um, being kind during divorce, especially if you're one of the parties. It's like, this is hard enough as it is. For both of us, like we are literally grieving the loss of the person that we wanted to spend forever with and the family. Yeah, absolutely. So after going
1: through all of this, what is your like fe- in the future or your way forward? How are, how do you feel about marriage? <laughs> oh, like is it for you? Are you done with it? She's
2: like, like, oh, you went there. <laughs> um, I am. How long has it been since your last um, divorce? November of 2021 when it was finalized and I left in May of 21. That's when we got separated. Um, I very much am struggling with um, just dating and attachment stuff in general. You know, it took me a year and a half to even be open to dating. I'm kind of seeing somebody now. Um, but I just have this inclination to, to run and um, because it's when you – go through divorce twice like that and you get publicly shamed for it you do struggle with kind of questioning your intuition um or am i picking the right guy am i repeating the same patterns um and i will say when you get a taste at being alone i'm like i like it here <laughs> i really about like when you're in an unhappy
1: relationship it's like why why would I wanna like do this with someone else when I can when
0: I'm doing all the things myself anyway? Yeah. Like it's easier for me to just be alone and do it than that's actually something that comes up with my husband occasionally. It's like I have a clientele base of I, I'm a hairstylist, so um I talk to a lot of women that are single and in their later years, and I can tell you that none of them are unhappy. <laughs> they are all having a blast they have their girlfriends they have their their activities they do they have their family they visit when they want now they don't have to drag along a husband that isn't wanting to be there and so when I when I see that I and I also have males that are single that is not the case. They are not thriving. The women are thriving and they're singledom. <laughs> like, let me tell you. That's because the men need the women to cook right. and clean and but do the things. But <laughs> occasionally they do say it gets lonely and they would like someone to just go to dinner with or just go to a movie with that is not going to end in something sexual. Because now it's gotten past that point. Where it's like the sex isn't super important. I can do but about, the that myself. Right. <laughs> like you have the right vibrator. You're, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so um, it's just when, when I know that, I can see where for you, you'd be hesitant. But also, I mean, it would be important to figure out where what is what's making you fearful or unsure of yourself. But also knowing that you don't need anybody to make you feel complete, one
2: thousand percent. And a big part of the problem is that I live with my two best girlfriends and my best friend Patty, the one that got divorced before me. Like we, when I tell you, we cohabitate so well. Like we communicate well, we set boundaries well, we discuss our expectations we love doing the same thing she makes me dinner like when we're out we're like thinking of each other i'm like the only thing we're missing do people think you're together she literally makes it so hard to date because i'm like that's what i need that's what i want in a husband I feel like that's us but in two houses (laughs) yeah so like the other day we went to the
0: hot tub and we had a piece of cake and we had some what was it wine wine, yeah we like shared and and I was I I said to her I'm like this is these are all the kind of dates we need like we I don't need the full long like I don't need the big surprise I don't need just like give me some cake and spend some time with me or
1: like I'll have a hard day and she's like I made dinner like come have dinner yeah and we just like wish wash back and forth but even yesterday we all like our husbands too we all and the kids we all went to the hot tub and like hung out and then we were like we live on the same street yes kind of, but... love that so we the end, yeah. and she's like love you and I was like love you and we were joking about something and we started walking my husband he's like you don't say I love you to me like <laughs>
0: Duh. that's right step up bro <laughs> but that's what it is is like we we're, we're, the, both we're getting fulfilled yeah. emotionally and mentally like you said you, you know you see a need and you feel it and as I think as a woman uh, you fill it. Um, as a woman, we understand these needs, and sometimes it doesn't need to be be the big thing. It just needs to be like we're going to our favorite restaurant. Like I saw that you guys take each other on dates that you wish you had had in your marriages, and I think that's so important to realize. Like we we just need connection. I think that's what it comes down to: is connection and to be seen, right? And
2: like non judgmental. Like that's why her and I get along so well. There is no judgment. There is always space. There is full safety to be exactly who we are when like if I want to be alone no harm no foul if we want to be like it's just the most freeing thing that her and I never had with our exes because they just didn't like how we were and so it was like can't be myself like it's terrible now there's just like this freedom with it that I'm like I'll never settle again so it makes it really hard to find a dude because I'm like the standard's like real fucking high
0: Right, because you're <laughs> like, I'm the standard and I'm really fucking high right now. <laughs> literally,
2: literally. Beat out Patty, like impossible.
0: But you know what? At the same time, I feel like that's a perfect invitation for men to step it mm. up. If you if these men are constantly w- meeting women that are good on their own, shouldn't that be a call to rise? You know, that's what I feel like. It that's Well, and if we can do that for each
1: other as in friendships, it's really not that hard to do in a marriage. Mm-hmm. It's like, we can do that amongst all the other things we have going on in our lives yeah like it shouldn't be that hard yeah <laughs> really like and I think that men tend to go there too with like the oh you say like I want to go on a date night It all in their head it automatically is like it becomes this a huge stressor. thing and like we gotta get a babysitter we gotta like go like what fancy restaurant like it just and turns it into a huge thing and it's like Take me to a park and like pack a sandwich. Right. Like it doesn't need to be. <laughs> yeah. crazy. Keep it simple, <laughs> Drive me to the beach and just
0: look at the water. Like it doesn't have to be. Yeah. That one. So I also saw part of your glow-up. You got into fitness. So tell me about that.
2: Um you know, I had started, like I told you guys, focusing on my my diet and stuff. Um back when I had gotten COVID. And so I just made a decision that was probably like two or three years ago now, just over two years ago. And I just knew I wasn't going to give up. And the biggest thing for me was my entire life, I tried to shame myself into eating better, into working out, like from a place of like hate for my body. Uh, And it wasn't until I said, no, not only do I love my body as it is right now, I also love it enough to do things that's going to make it feel better and make it operate more efficiently. That's going to give me more energy. And, um, so like anything else, it's just like you said, like, how do I get 1% better every single day? And so I started jogging every single day and then I would stop and then I would start, but like, I would always try again. And then it was like, I got a personal trainer for a little bit and we were working out twice a week and then doing things here and there. Um, and it was like, good. And then I, and I was a college athlete. So like, I'm, I'm, I was not a stranger to working out. I just hadn't done it in so long. Um, and then I found burn Boot Camp, which I don't know if you guys are familiar with those, but you've heard of it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so it's really just perfect for someone like me. And again, this is what I do with any, anyone's goals. It's who are you loving yourself, starting from a place of love And then figuring out what works for you from knowing yourself. Like my roommate, she doesn't want to be told what to do. She'll write her own workouts. She gets up at 350 every single morning. She works out. Oh, that's earlier than me. And then you have me where I work out pretty early. It's like 445, but I need to go to a space. I need it to be done in less than an hour because I am ADHD I'm bored. I need it to be fast paced. And I need someone to tell me what to do. I don't I don't want to have to figure out my own stuff. And so I found this like perfect place that works perfectly for Marissa. And I look forward to going to it. And I think that's why it's so important to know who you are and what works for you and what you need as a person, um, when you're trying to make changes in your life, because it should be fun and you should be able to look forward to those changes. Not this whole, like, I got to eat right. And I got to work out and 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 it should be sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. I just love looking forward to like, I'm just excited. I'm like, Oh my God, I get to wake up at four and go work out. And people are like, what? I'm like, don't worry about it. I'm excited. You know, like, let me live my life. Like, I'm excited to eat, like, the chicken lettuce wrap in my fridge right now.
0: Yeah, I think some people look at that and they go, oh, it's so restrictive. And it's like, no, it's actually so freeing to know that I don't have to worry about any of this oh, yeah, stuff. It's yeah, it's so
2: fun.
1: <laughs> there's such a stigma, too, I think, about working out and it needing to be, like, hard and hurt like hurting you and like you gotta like get that your sweat on. But like but you find joy in yeah. that. And I think that for so long in my life especially, it was like it's not a good workout unless it's hard and I'm hating it. Yeah. And when I got my Peloton two years ago, I was like, yeah. this feels wrong because it's fun. Like right. it's such a weird but then after a little while it's like, oh, this is what they mean by saying like not everyone is going to find joy in working out until they find the way that working out brings them joy. Exactly.
2: Isn't that is it so funny how, once again, your thought created your result of not working out. So you thinking this has to be hard and I have to hate it, but thinking you needed to do it resulted in you doing nothing. But when you were able to be like, you know what? Maybe there's another way. And you kind of release that. Then it's like, oh, and then what, even at first you said it felt wrong until you started doing it. And you're like, and then you start questioning that original thought. And you're like, maybe I was wrong. About, yeah, right. you know, the worst thing, <laughs> Like, it's so fun realizing that you're wrong because we take the brain as truth. And we're like, oh, well, I've thought it for 20 years. So it must be true. And it's like you, you've been wrong for 20 years. It's fine.
0: Right. But there's something beautiful, too, about like getting to a place where you're okay with being wrong, because a lot of the time, it's so hard. Like, it's hard to admit you're wrong, admit they're wrong. Yeah, I've gotten much better at it in the last couple of years. But before that, I was like, I'm not wrong. And it's like, the the sky is pink. And it's no, it's clearly blue, but the sky is fucking pink to me, you know, it's <laughs> like, and so but it was a, I had a, a bad attachment to it, right to being right and to being wrong and what that meant. And honestly, now I just look at being wrong, like a learning opportunity. And I'm sure you teach that to your people you're coaching because so much of our mindset isn't
2: right or wrong it's just what it was and let's let's fix the way we think is not weird that we tell ourselves that we're right or wrong and it's like it's just what we talked about earlier here was my thought oh this has this workout has to be hard and I have to hate it in order for me to do it and then it's like okay here's the result that it's creating in your life which is not working out at all do you like that result and you like, right. It's like, how's that going, girl? <laughs> no, I actually hate that result. And it's like, okay, so let's start picking away at that thought and being willing to be wrong so that we can create a life that's it's like momentary discomfort for long-term like joy and peace and whatever.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Do you want to ask our final question? Uh, yeah. I, ha- I have a, we have a fi- final question, which is, um, what would you advise or give, um, your uh, wisdom on how to live your most unfiltered life
2: for our listeners and uh, and me. <laughs> yeah, and me. Um, the one thing I so I read the Untethered Soul. Uh, oh, I love yeah, that book by Michael A. Singer, wow. right? And that was the first time yeah. that I was exposed to "I am not my thoughts; I am just an observer of my thoughts." And so, the one added thing to that being an observer is your thought is. Um, How can you approach yourself as the observer from compassionate curiosity? And that has been life changing because um, a lot of times we try to approach things with like shame and judgment and fear and guilt. And like the one thing I have learned is that shame keeps you doing the thing that you don't want to be doing. Um, And so it's like you can't shame yourself into change. But um, when you're willing to just kind of get curious and stop judging yourself like, hey, like weird. Last night I binge ate the mac and cheese again. I haven't done that in about four months. Weird. I wonder what I was feeling, what was happening, what was going on. And just like giving yourself a space full of grace where you can be completely honest with yourself. And there's no shaming yourself. There's no anger. There's just like, oh. How fascinating is that? I'll make sure to remember that the next time I get that feeling and maybe I can become aware just a little bit sooner so I can start to like correct all those things. But yeah, compassionate curiosity. I yeah, love that. Because you're a lot of people do. We think we're our thoughts, right? It's like, and we're not like, you literally have this voice in your head. It's like, you're just listening to it. It's not even you. Yeah. Our guest last week said we on average
0: have 60 to 70,000 thoughts That's a too day. much. So, oh my God. It is a lot. But if you think about that, it's probably accurate. So what are the things you're telling yourself and approaching it with compassionate curiosity is a really beautiful way of, of just kind of like you said, giving yourself grace and just talking to yourself. And really, when you're talking about it, it's like, that's probably how you would talk to anybody else other than yourself. Exactly. So,
2: yeah.
1: Well, thank you so, so much for coming. Thank you so much. Where can our
2: um, listeners find you? Yes. Uh, Thank you guys for having me. It was such a fun conversation. Um, I am on Instagram and TikTok as the Marissa Baker. Um, And then I also have a podcast myself. It's called Sun Happens Podcast on iTunes and Spotify. It's a play on shit happens, but that sun happens too. And you can create your own sunshine if you're willing to do the work. Um, so yeah and then the Instagram for the podcast is sunhappensofficial. So any of those places or my website sunhappens.net. Let's go. It's all. Well I'm
0: definitely <laughs> I'm definitely going to be stalking yeah. your page yeah. and sending you DMs. I'm going to slide in
2: yeah. there. All <laughs> you guys, I'll do that right now. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Bestie.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate yes, it. Yes. Thank you. It was nice to meet you. have a good day and good luck on your dating journey. <laughs> First
2: date yourself. Thank you. Um, yeah. I'm like, that's all that's, I just want to keep dating me. It's fine.
0: Yeah. That's a perfect place to yes. be. Yes. All right. Thank you so much, Marissa. Bye. Bye.